Dadhood. Modern Dadhood Podcast. Hey man. Adam Flaherty. Sorry, I wanna I wanna come in hot with a little more enthusiasm. Come in hot. Hey man. <laughs> hey! Adam Flaherty, what? <laughs> man dude no way what's up dude what's up dude dude uh, hold on let me take a sip of tea Mm. this episode brought to you by yogi throat coat i was gonna ask if you were drinking throat coat you know it man you know i am friends you are listening to modern dadhood the podcast which is an ongoing conversation about the joys challenges and the general insanity of being a dad in this moment. My name is Mark Checkett and I'm a dad to twin boy toddlers. And you, my good, beautiful friend. <laughs> beautiful. I haven't been called beautiful since uh I guess this morning. You're 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 beautiful. Who said it this morning? You're you in the mirror? I was just listening to James Blunt and he was he sung it to me through the bows. Right. Yeah, yeah. My name's Adam Flaherty. I am a dad to two girls who are eight and five. I got to tell you, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. I didn't know it was a one hundred percent honest statement. So, if you don't know, dads, this is part two of our chat with Michael Ian Black. So, if you haven't heard the first part, you are welcome to go back to the previous episode and listen to that, or not. It was a fantastic discussion, and not just because I was part of it. I'm not saying it just because I was part of it. I'm saying it because uh, I felt very lucky be, being a part of it, uh, um, because Michael Ian Black spent a lot of time thinking about some of this dad stuff, and he's got a lot of wisdom. A great conversation. Great conversation. You know, I just want to say, it's been brought to my attention. I brought it to my own attention. Uh-huh. In other words, I had this realization as I was either editing one of our episodes or listening back to one that the word conversation happens a lot Uh-oh. in our podcast. And I think it's mostly for me. I say the word conversation far too much. Well, what can we say to mean the same thing, but not use that word discussion? Well, I mean, you can say it. I think it's I think I'm the problem. Huh? I think I may just switch it to, yeah, chat or discussion. I'll find another way. Yeah, I don't want this. I don't want I don't want you to become fixated on this because you're not part of this problem. I am, but I'm now fixated on it. <laughs> yeah, I just need to kind of cool it on the conversation speak. Well, you just yeah, get yourself a thesaurus, man. You know? Yeah, I'll find some alternate some, vernacular. Some cinnamons. Well, anyway, we will queue up the second half of our dialogue with Michael Ian Black very soon. So, yeah, as we were alluding to, uh, a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. So I'm just going to go there with you, man. There's a bit of an elephant in the room. Are we talking about this or are we not? What? <laughs> you know, the elephant in the room. The COVID in the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it finally happened. Got hit with the COVID. I got sick uh, on Mother's Day. Actually, I didn't plan that. Some haters will say he planned that. Haters are going to say he planned that. 
but I didn't well, haters going to hate so. playing that. That's, that was unfortunate. Woke up the day after felt very, very ill and uh COVID test came back positive. Then I spent two days just in the bed going through this sort of roller coaster of like extreme chills where I would fully like full body shiver uncontrollably for like an hour and I just couldn't mm. get enough blankets. And then it would switch and I would sweat like just profusely for the next hour and I couldn't get the blankets off enough. And my poor lovely wife was downstairs trying to keep the kids and herself away from the room. Yeah. And then two days later, my wife, I think it was two days later, she tested positive. But the bo- did the boys test positive? Never tested positive. That's the real enigma it's so weird. here throughout it's this so whole. so weird. Yeah, very weird. It must have been really hard for Jamie to know that you were feeling as miserable as you were to, you know, have the sort of intrinsic uh, instinct to want to take care of you just as, yes. as you would with her. But A... I'm sure she didn't want to get too close, you know, to protect herself. And she was managing the kids, trying to keep them away and, you know, and busy. So, man, that must have been, I guess, like probably more mentally challenging than anything. But then, of course, she she got it, too. So she kept popping into the room saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could do more. And I'm like, you're taking care of the kids. Yeah. Like you're keeping them out of here so that I can uh, be miserable alone. (laughs) Yeah. That is, first of all, plenty uh, you, you, I don't need anything. I'm not, I'm immobile. Like nothing's happening to me. I just leave me alone. Taking care of the kids was, was more than enough. Well, I'm glad you're okay. It's really good to see your face and to hear your voice. We texted a little bit when you were kind of in, in the feeling really miserable yeah. and, uh, and I felt terrible for you and, uh, kind of helpless to do anything aside from, offer to drop off groceries which was very but, kind um, by the way and thank you well, very very much that's huge i mean i would i would never have actually done it no i wouldn't expect uh, it it's to. all about the offer but um I'm, i am glad that you're back at the computer screen thanks man it's it's good to be uh it's good to be uh, upright hey man you know what we forgot to do in the last episode that dropped right before mother's day you know what we forgot to do we forgot to say no. happy mother's day uh, nope. To the moms. I'm, I don't know. Nope. I'm I don't telling remember. you. Wait. I'm telling you, we forgot to say happy Mother's Day to the moms. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. We didn't say. Are you sure? Yeah, we definitely didn't say it. Mm, hold on. I'm going to go. I'm going to go listen to the episode. Just wait for 35 minutes. Hold on. I'm going through the transcript. You know what? Uh, I don't think we said. I don't think we said happy Mother's Day in the last episode. That's what I'm I'm telling you. Yeah, we did not. We screwed up, dude. This is our opportunity. So go for it, Mark. Well, from the bottom of our tiny little blackened hearts. Insignificant, weak, little. Dumb. Forgetful. Terrible. Rotten hearts. Hearts. We just want to say happy Mother's Day, not only to our wonderful wives, but to all of the mothers out there listening. You're amazing. Without you, we would be nothing. Without you, there would be no modern dadhood. Where we left off with Michael Ian Black in our last episode, he was talking about masculinity. 
and suggested that the idea of strength may be one way to define masculinity. And he was talking about all different kinds of strength. So that's just sort of teeing it up with a little bit of context for where we jump in here with part two. And let's play it back now. When you boil down sort of the essence of manhood and you really distill it, I think you get to that moment, that moment of absolute vulnerability and standing there and being true to yourself. Incidentally, you get to that same place in the old, when you distill femininity too, because you get to that place when you distill humanity. And in this sort of gender dichotomy that we have, we tend to put, um, the two, the two sexes in opposite camps, or if not opposing, then contrasting camps. And what we lose, I think, is the vast amount of overlap that's there. And that overlap is just our basic humanity. You mentioned physical strength, spiritual strength. I got thinking about the idea of emotional strength and how maybe the typical understanding of masculinity or manliness would it would have emotional strength being maybe stoic. In fact, you have an example um, in your book when you talk about your mother uh, passing away. But isn't it so much more emotionally strong when when you can sort of put yourself out there and connect with another person, you know, your, your, your partner, your family, your friends and and grieve together and it, the whole thing is is really pretty mind blowing, and you do something in those moments. I think you're also doing something really val really valuable if you're able to. In allowing yourself to grieve, you're also giving your loved ones the gift of allowing them to love you and to support you, which is not easy for most men to do. It's not easy for men to say this is a moment where I need to be lifted up and supported. That's tough. I, I have a, a, a line in the book that I think, you know, it's sort of half serious, but I think it's mostly true, which is that the three hardest words for a man to say are not, I love you, they're, mm. I need help. Yep. Yeah. And, they, you know, it's hard for men to admit that we don't have our shit together. And in, in the chapter that you're talking about, when I'm talking about my mom and losing my dad at an early age as well. I was talking about Jordan Peterson, who's become this kind of exemplar of modern masculinity. Um, and he talks about how when your father dies, what one should do is sort of do what needs to be done and you don't whine about mm -hmm. it. Um, and I just thought that was so sad. You know, I yeah. thought that was such a kind of tragic attitude to have. Because you're not only robbing yourself, you're robbing everybody else around you who just want to be there for you. How important do you think it is for people, but I guess I'll say particularly like white men, to take the time to understand the history of like the man's role? in the world because it's you referenced at one point this the physical strength was necessary right at at one point mm -hmm. there it, there was definitely a you know maybe it's a saber-toothed tiger that's running after the family and you've got to pick up kids and run um mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen i don't think often anymore 
But there was also comes a point. I had it happen last week. You wouldn't believe it. Saber tooth tiger. I'm crossing the street. Oh, now that they should warn you when you come down here. Look out for the saber. They don't tell you anything about it. (laughs) They don't say that. That's not on the the (laughs) pamphlet for Savannah. You'd think Uh, it would be. (laughs) You know, but but there comes a point too in our history where men just they just start to write the history. You know, and they start yeah. to kind of control it. So, I don't know. How, how important is it, do, do you think, for us to look at that and examine that history and, and, and get a good understanding of it? I think there's a kind of facile answer to it and my knee-jerk answer to it. And I think there's a more nuanced answer to it. And my knee-jerk answer is, well, yes, of course, we should understand, you know, the white man colonizing and raping and pillaging and being just a dick. Just to a complete the dick. rest of the world. Just yeah. a dick. And continuing to be a complete dick. Like, mm-hmm. we definitely have that. And I will, I'm not setting that aside, but I will say it's hard to grapple with that. It's like the topic itself of masculinity. Like, it's hard to get your hands around white men and imperialism and Mm -hmm. colonization and enslavement and exploitation. Like it's all so big. And incidentally, it's also so tied to our notions of masculinity. I talk about race a fair amount in the book and how I didn't want to talk about race, how it was the last thing I wanted to talk about in this book. Once you start scratching the surface of who we are as, let's say, white men in this culture, and I'm careful in the book to say, look, this is a book addressed to my son. I mean, who's a, who's a, 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 a fairly privileged kid growing up in a fairly privileged you know, part of the country. I think there are lessons applicable to other kids too, other boys too, but I'm not, I'm not claiming to speak for them in any way, shape, or form. So it's impossible to start talking about that position of power in the culture without talking about race. It's impossible to talk about it without talking about the subjugation of women. It's impossible to talk about it without talking about economics. Like everything is so inextricably tied together that it's very difficult to separate out, you know, let's say, the white man's, you know, guilt and responsibility for creating a capitalistic system that exploits, you know, the, the, the working poor and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, it's very hard to sort of separate any of it out. And so it's very hard to say, well, we should just sort of look at this one thing and, mm-hmm. and white culpability without looking at kind of everything else. But I don't know how you begin right. to look at everything right. else. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you begin that instruction. Maybe it begins with just simple history lessons, simple, honest history lessons. And the fact that it is all one thing it makes it so much more convenient for anybody to pull one little piece out that aligns with whatever their personal agenda is and mm-hmm. turn that into yeah. the story, you know? Sure. It also incidentally makes it very easy to ignore all of mm-hmm. it. Because if you say, if you say, say I can't wrap my hand, hand around it, then you can say, well, then I'm just going to throw my hands up and say, I'm yeah. not going to deal with any of it. Why, why but we have to. have to. So you have to come at it from some angle. I'm coming at it from the angle of boys, you know, and then, and then you start to see, uh, you know, how it branches off into everything else. Somebody else will come at it from the angle of sociology or from history yeah. or archaeology or economics or whatever it is. 
Well, I, I have to say, for me personally, I, I guess, I started, as I was reading the book, I started thinking about it, like, it, it, it started to seem like it's a really great, it's like a starter pack for thought starters is how the mm-hmm. phrase popped into my head as I was reading it. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's really what this book feels like to me. Cause you can feel that you are, are, you want to talk about this thing, but it's, 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 it's connected to this thing. And so you got to address it, but you can't go too far because you, you do have to get through writing the book. And I, and, but, but what I love about the book is that you do allow yourself to go a little bit in a bunch of directions while you're you're still sort of heading towards this ultimate end of the book. I guess I just found that very thought provoking because because I I like to find the 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 sort of thread and pull it and see where it goes and put in the I guess work. But your point that you just made is is so important is that gosh, so many people just kind of throw up their hands and say it's it's, it's too big of a nut to crack. I'm not even going to try. It, this book, I think, is a primer in a lot of ways. I mean, it is like it's as much me searching for answers to this mm. as it is, you know, trying to explain shit to other people. I mean, what do I know? You know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just a jerk off who's you know <laughs> yeah I'm not trained. Yeah. I didn't graduate from college. I'm the same as any other parent out there. If this book has some value, I hope it's that I was able to kind of synthesize things that maybe people are kind of feeling but haven't really been able to put into words. And you may disagree with some of my conclusions, which is which is fine and healthy, but but that at least means that you're thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the whole point, right? It's like these conversations weren't happening, at least in my family and in my social circles growing up, these conversations weren't happening. So the fact that you're writing about it on, on whatever platform you have to, to get it out to a lot of people and we're having conversations like this and we're thinking about it as we raise our kids. I mean, that alone, just being aware of it and mindful of it, it is going to have a ripple effect and is going to at least promote some sort of change in whatever small way. That's kind of you to say. I mean, I was, you, you made me think about something just now when you were saying like these conversations weren't happening, you know, in my social group where I was growing up. Oh, what, what social group anywhere is like talking about like manhood? Like what family is sitting down and talking about like what it means to be a man in the way that let's say conversations between girls are happening and, and conversations, you know, women yeah. to girls, mentor to mentee. The only, the only sort of groups that I know of that have these kind of conversations on the reg um, about manhood are like Christian study groups. I feel like a lot of them have these men's groups where men mm. get together and, and do fellowship and talk about what it means to be a man from a Christian and biblical perspective. I've never attended one of those. I don't know what they're like, um, but I imagine they're valuable. You know, I imagine, yeah. I imagine they're, they're helpful for people of faith. But apart from that, like the, the conversation just doesn't happen culturally and it yeah. needs to, as, yeah. as we said in the beginning. You wrote this book for Elijah at this really pivotal moment right before he left the house for college where he was going to be making all of his own decisions and in social scenarios that he had never found himself in before with new groups of people 
it was so it's very important that it that he had that information at that moment but had you written that book eight or ten years before or even three years before like his brain wouldn't have been developed enough to really like fully understand it, you know? So I feel like these, the conversation, at least to the extent that like we're talking to our children about it and trying to educate them and shape them into good human beings needs to happen like at a fairly specific time. Would you agree? But you know what it, it, yes and no, the conversation does happen. It happens every day that your father and your kids, you know, it happens not in the way that you sit down and say, look, this is how you be, a, how you be a man. It's, it's the way you model behavior in your household. It's the way you model behavior as a father. It's the way you and your partner interact with each other. It's the way they see you dealing with frustration or grief or joy or whatever it is you're dealing with. Um, that's where the conversation really happens. The book is me sort of putting it into words, but I don't think there's anything in that book that I say to him that he wouldn't have already known that that's how I felt about, about Mm. things, you know, without me ever having to, having sat him down and said, this is how I feel about this. Yeah. You know, you live with somebody day in and day out for 18 years, they get to know you pretty well. And when they're looking to you for cues as to how to be a human being, you know, that's a pretty big responsibility. And it's one reason why you give up uh, at least somewhat ironic detachment. Well, Mm, I think that there are many, many, many young people who probably are looking for cues and not getting the same types of cues that you and your wife, you know, give to your kids. And so I think that this is... Oh yeah, but we screw up, but we screw up constantly. You know what I mean? Of of course, yeah. I'm awful a lot of the time, (laughs) you know? I hope that I'm not awful more than that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I believe me, the last thing I want to do is is get on your podcast and say, you know, emulate me. Of course. Cuz yeah. you know, I'm a dickhead most of the time. I try <laughs> to be better and the reason the the book is called The Better Man isn't because I need my son to be a better man. It's because right. I need it as much as he does. Sure, absolutely. I my point is that um that now the young people who are not getting the those positive social cues from their parents and now have this resource to better understand it. Mm. And parents who may not have the language or the wherewithal to model that kind of behavior to their kids now have this resource to begin working on themselves. It's accessible to everybody. Well, that's kind of you to say. I, I hope that's true. Yeah, you you hardly come across as a total dick in the book. Like for for, for oh yeah, but I make I, but I make my I make myself look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it, when you know, oh gosh, you say that like I feel like that too so much, especially lately. I feel like with my kids, they're four, they're in daycare, but with COVID restrictions or you know, and just general sickness, you know, young kids are getting sick a lot. And, pa- and then my kids are passing sicknesses back and forth all the time. It we just, there's been a lot of stretches where we're all at home together, you know, and it's these four walls and it's, and it's all of us trying to make it from day to day. And I feel like that too. I feel like, man, I go to bed at night sometimes and I think, was I ever not a total asshole today? Was I, <laughs> was I ever once 
a good example of, of, uh-huh. of acting in this world at all, man. And it just, I, I, I get afraid sometimes that that happens more than it doesn't happen. But again, yeah, I, my guess is, uh, my guess is there probably are days where you're just like, God, Mark was a real asshole today. <laughs> but because I think this is true of everybody, nobody's judging you as harshly as you're judging yourself, mm. particularly your kids. Well, and you're not inherently an asshole. Like you can be an asshole. No. I can be an asshole, but yeah. we're not inherently bad people. And again, just that, that's that has not been my impression during this conversation. <laughs> I have to just no, by the clearly fact, <laughs> again, just by the fact that we're thinking about this and being mindful of this stuff like that. That's really what's important and what's going to, I think, ultimately shape our. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think that and I like to, and I, and this is why this show and these conversations for me as this is, this is why any of this it feels important is because it's for me and for my own benefit, you know, to, to think through these. And we'd say this a lot, you know, like we have this show uh, because we're in the same way that, Michael's writing a book called a better man in part to try to become a better man. We're doing the same thing with the, the, the show. And, you know, sometimes I just, sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm failing. I'm not looking for a pat on the back. Fuck. It sounds like it though. You know, it really does. Don't, but don't, that's not, that's not at all where this is, is headed. It is starting to feel like a big circle jerk though. <laughs> I like it. It's nice. <laughs> Well, Jordan Shapiro, actually, who is, is, is how we, we ended up getting in touch with you. His, his book, Father Figure, is another one, too, that I, I think I'll, whenever I get the chance, we'll sing the praises of that book. It, it was so well written and, and such a good resource. And I'm, for me personally, I'm putting a better man right next to it on the shelf. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you, you, you took the time and you wrote that, that letter in an open fashion uh, so that, that, that some of us could also read it. Well, I got paid. Son of a God damn right. <laughs> bitch, that's what this is all about. <laughs> it's just a big money grab. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't very much money. <laughs> Dads, Michael has a number of podcasts you can find wherever you listen to Modern Dadhood. He's written numerous books for adults and for kids, a long list of TV and film roles. We've included a bunch of links in the show notes so that you can keep up with what Michael Ian Black is working on. Michael, thank you again so much. Like this uh, conversation was kind of a, a dream come true and really nice to spend some time talking dad stuff with you. You too. Thanks, guys. That was a great conversation. I mean, like, like you heard me say, even to him, like I've, I've been a fan of Michael Ian Black for a long time. And it, this conversation just made me like him and appreciate him and respect him even more. Definitely. I mean, I, and I think just the, how do I say it? I appreciate him in the book, essentially, you know, providing so much lead in for us to have such a good conversation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, there, he, he, he talks about so much, he touches on so many different topics and some of them are, are so central to, to this show and the things that we've talked about. And, and, and for me personally, in particular, the things that I've been really thinking about a lot. And so I truly feel like, man, that we could, I could just keep, I could just keep talking about some of this stuff with the thought in, in my mind that 
I want to understand some of these things better. I want to understand the idea of masculinity, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a dad, what it means to be, you know, um, this overall pursuit of understanding the world around me a little bit better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And while we are doing this work and doing this learning and having these conversations and trying to employ what we've learned into our fatherhood, we're also just being dads the way that we know how, mm-hmm. you know, and and, yeah. and sometimes we're doing really well and sometimes it's really friggin' hard and we feel like we're doing a terrible job, but yeah. it all just happens as, as it's like two things moving in parallel, but really it's just this one kind of life experience that was either really profound or really nonsensical. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'll be honest. I completely stopped listening a little while ago, but, um, the, no, nah, it was totally profound, dude. Um, there's a really interesting part of the book, um, where he, he, uh, a, a lot of it's funny, um, where he's talking about this sort of scale with all these data points on it, uh, this scale of, of like masculinity, you know, and he, and he goes down this, this, um, he starts talking about examples and he says, for example, I'm sitting here with a nice hot cup of tea sitting next to me. And he points out that tea, a little less masculine it's than not very coffee. Masculine. Yeah. You know, but tea with milk, you know, like he prefers it even a little less masculine than just tea. And he goes down this and it's very funny and it, but it's, but it's funny because it's somehow it's like really, it's very true. It's very true. Um, and he even that, says, I mean, the examples are great, but he, he says you can do this with literally anything, do anything, lap, laptop, yeah. computer, totally not masculine at all. It's not, but, but, but laptop computer, uh, docked with an, with an ultra wide, extra, extra wide external monitor that leans a little more masculine leans a little bit more mass masculine it's ridiculous but it's it's true but it's funny i I, i've i've gotten to sort of thinking about you know like how much of my unconscious you know mannerisms go you know as i move throughout the house are my kids looking at (laughs) and taking cues from in terms of like that's what it is to be a to be a man and it just makes me, it just, it just makes me wonder what they're picking up and, mm-hmm. and how many times do I fall in, into the tropes versus go against them? Not that they would know any different, but it is their most prevalent example, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something funny happened. It's just an anecdote, but something funny happened the other day where, um, so I drink, I drink coffee and I drink me my too. coffee black. You it's like just, coffee? I love it. It's like. Mm, you you know? and I are doing coffee from first thing in the morning until about what lunchtime, one p.m. I we started recording tonight. You and I started recording around what was it, eight thirty? Yeah, I had just finished a cup of coffee. Wow. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, it's a problem, but I drink my coffee black, and it's not it, it it in. It's just I don't know why. I just I always have, and that's how I prefer it. Were you told that to it do. would put hair on your chest? Maybe somebody, maybe somebody at one point, you know, maybe, I mean, God, who knows? Maybe there's got to be some unconscious sort of bias built into why I, but I do at this point, whatever in my life, I prefer it. Love. I love coffee. I love black coffee. 
And, and it's just funny because he makes a point of it in the book to say that like, that's the ultimate in like my, you know, and, um, f- f- my kids the other day, uh, um, were, it was over the weekend. They were playing Starbucks, which in and of itself is maybe a little problematic. <laughs> is it really? Cause um, they just wanted cake pops, right? <clears throat> It could, I mean, that's their association is really as cake pops and, and hot chocolate, but maybe it's just, it, you know, maybe it's just the uh, star Starbucks is too much of a thing in our lives, <laughs> yeah. but it was really, it was really cute. It was, they, they had these little scooters and they were going around the kitchen Island and they kept saying to me, you're the, you're the man that takes the order. You're the man in the window. Is what okay. they said. And I said, okay, fine. Yeah. I'm the man in the window. So they would go around and I would say, all right, what can I get you? What can I get you, sir? You know, and they would, whatever they'd, they'd say, but my, but one of my kids came up and he, all he said, like, they had just thought of this game and they were really into it and really excited to it. The first one ordered some, you know, he just was a string of nonsensical words and it was hilarious and cute. <laughs> but then the other one just stops and looks at me and says, can I get a caffeine drink? Black <laughs> caffeine drink. Yes. Yeah. And and then just the sort of like deadpan eyes up at me, black, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, all right, well, there's a thing that he's picking up from me for yep. sure. 100%. Yep. And he's, he's building this association with, you know, you're a dad. I'm pretending to be a dad in this thing. Yep. And you I drink, drink black, black coffee. coffee. So Caffeine do I drink. <laughs> right. Yeah, because, just, because you know what? Decaf. <laughs> Not as masculine. No. Can I get a caffeine drink? Black. (laughs) So good. How old are you, man? Sure. No problem. Would you like a cake pop with that? He wants to get some hair on his chest. Evidently. Dads, you can find us at moderndadhood.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That could be Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon. Amazon. How'd you know I was going to say Amazon I, I next? said it. I just felt it. I felt like it was coming. Well, wherever you listen, please subscribe and leave us a quick rating and review. review. How did you know I was going to say <laughs> it's that? It's so weird how it's happening. I don't know. It's so weird. Okay, but I going. would argue equally as importantly, word of mouth is is so helpful to us. So please tell, tell us. Tell a friend. How the hell did you know I was going there? You know what else you could do while you're out there on the internet? So you could follow us uh, at Instagram. We got an Instagram. We've got a Facebook. And on the website, modernadhood.com, you can check out some t shirts and some dad, dad hoodies. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> now it's happening to you. Get a dad hoodie for uh, what's coming up? Father's Day. Get a dad hoodie for uh, the dad in your life. Or any dad in your life. It doesn't have to be the dad. We invite you to email us anytime at hey at moderndadhood.com. Let us know if you have any ideas, if you uh, have anything you just want to chat about. What are you struggling with these days? We always want to thank Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Albee for the music you hear in our podcast. We always want to thank Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for taking these audio files that we record and making them sound as good as you're hearing them right now. And a huge thank you to Johnny Blue Jeans himself, Michael Ian Black, for joining us for this two-part chat. It was truly a pleasure. And uh, man, what a dude. Oh, oh, and thank 
you for listening. Podcast. Disney <laughs> 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 Modern.